0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: And since people usually still come in for about another five or ten minutes, I'm wondering if anyone has any questions, comments, challenges in the practice that they'd like to talk about. Yes. Hang uh, on one second. And please say your name first. My my name is Linda. Uh, It is on,
2: actually.
1: (laughs) Uh, My name is Linda, and um, I don't know if I chose a challenging enough person. I did choose someone who was moderately annoying, and I Mm -hmm. found it very easy to meditate for this individual. So when do we should you start to gradually move toward people that are more difficult in your life? And why would you do, choose to do that? So uh, I'm curious, did they start out being easy to meditate on or did they yeah, become that way? that way? Okay, yeah. That's great. Um, that's something nice to discover about yourself. Right, that they're not all that annoying. <laughs> That could be very challenging for me. So um, to stick with the metaphor of the gym we used last week or the week before, um, move yourself up to a slightly heavier weight and see how it goes and just keep doing that. Um, But once um, the idea is that we cultivate loving kindness towards that person until our feelings, at least in meditation, shift. And they often do shift a little bit in daily life as well. Um, Not necessarily that we're going to end up liking them. That's not a requirement for this practice, but just um, that you really can generate that benevolence. So it is helpful to start with someone where there's a little bit of a rub and a little bit of a challenge, even on the cushion. So good question. Thank you. Other questions? Yes.
2: Regarding uh, neutral persons, um, I see two categories, the peripheral persons and those that uh, the positives and negatives just sort of cancel each other out. (laughs) And uh, in one case, uh, I mean, this was a very important person in my life, my father, and that was a cancellation situation. Mm. But I found that uh, uh, offering him loving kindness, it really sort of seeped right into my life you know, mm-hmm. and talking to other men became easier less stressful uh, so i i don't know what you think about a no category but uh, <laughs> he certainly was an important uh, thing for me to bring into my meditation
1: absolutely it's a beautiful story thank you so it sounds like you discovered a new category of ambivalent person, or a person we're ambivalent towards. Right? There might be a lot of love and a lot of other
2: stuff. Yeah, he happened to be very distant um, mm-hmm. emotionally. He was there materially and instructionally and that kind of thing, but he wasn't uh, the sort of dad you went out and played ball with or something like that. Yeah.
1: So what I think is the most beautiful thing about what you said is that it's seeping into the rest of your life and how you relate to men. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you. I'm sure you've given some people in here ideas.
0: Anybody else? Yes. Hi. Is it on? It is. It is. Okay. My name's Lan, and I wanted to ask you, I know, I think on the hand, handout last week, um, it said something about if there's A person that's actually caused us you know severe harm that I think it said it didn't recommend trying to do that for that person but um, I have that circumstance and it was a family member and it's someone who intellectually I've forgiven but I don't think emotionally I have and I would like to be able to kind of have you know kindness thoughts towards or you know not harmful thought, you know, no harm, um, loving kindness with no harm towards the person. The person's actually in prison, but so that's where my, you know, hope they're safe and no harm. And, um, but I, so my question is, how, do you have any thoughts on that when it is somebody that's really caused severe harm? So um,
1: I do have some thoughts on that. and. Many of us, unfortunately, have someone in that category in our lives, either historically or or sometimes even currently. The recommendation on the handout wasn't not to do it. It was not to start with them. So the idea, again, is that we want to build up enough momentum and enough stability in the practice and familiarity with how the practice works and what you're comfortable with and happy with in it, and then move to that person.
0: Okay, so we should try to eventually incorporate that. Maybe just, uh, maybe unconsciously I just read it as <laughs> not to do, you know, do not do that. Yeah. Um, but so to eventually try to approach that.
1: You never need to, but if you sense that there's benefit to you emotionally, spiritually, <laughs> psychologically to do that, then certainly you, you can. I've, I've known people who've experienced tremendous benefit out of that. I would say once you start moving into that territory to really be respectful and move slow. Touch in and back away. It's always okay to go back to another category or a less difficult person. Um, Forgiveness practice and self-compassion practice often come in handy when we're addressing that level. As does support of a teacher if it's someone who's really been significant.
0: You said cult... uh Compassion, cultivation, and what was the other one?
1: Forgiveness
0: practice. Oh, forgiveness practice.
1: And I was actually referring to self-compassion, but sometimes compassion for the other person is appropriate. If they've caused that much harm, often they're also causing themselves harm in the process.
0: Okay, thank you. And I really enjoyed the class. Thank you so much. You've been so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Anyone else?
0: Hello. I'm Jennifer. Jennifer. Um, I have very much enjoyed the classes. Thank you very much. Um, There's been some moments where I've been sick and I haven't been able to come in, but the audio um, is like a lifeline for me. So I just really wanted to share my appreciation with you and to say Mm -hmm. thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: We have time for one more, if anyone wants to. Yes, in the back.
3: Hi, I'm Terry,
1: And I guess this is a general question of um, how do you deal with the gunk?: The gunk. That's, that, that was your word, I believe, and it's yes, it a was. beautiful, perfect <laughs> word. Um, it's, it comes up.: Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, in order to understand, and I guess there's different gradations, um, if it's not that intense then um, sometimes it's okay to just acknowledge it, observe it for a minute or two, let it go, and return to the practice. The next level up when it's really moving through you, personally I find, and a number of people find, mindfulness of the body to be helpful. So emotions are composed, among other things, of sensations roaming through our bodies, right? Sometimes tapping into that will help them release through, A little bit more. If it's still too intense, personally I shift strategies at that point to um, sound meditation, opening the eyes and using sight meditation, or noticing the contact of hands and feet. And those are things that stabilize the mind and the heart a little bit. So those are three really kind of basic levels of strategy you can use. Um, personally, I believe it's very important to honor the feeling that's moving through and not try to cover it over with more loving kindness. The last thing you want to do is hit it with a hammer of loving kindness. That's going to build some really unhealthy tendencies inside of yourself. So, And just um, part B, real specifically, uh-huh. I find that when
2: I was in the meditation that I would go in and out of, you know, may you be happy, well into, you little witch, you know, I mean, like, (laughs) just, I would, I would then be imagining that I was fighting this person, and then I'd go, stop, stop, and then I'd go back, so I found I just would be bouncing back and forth between the, you know, the, the sayings that we say into having this imaginary verbal fight, yes,
1: so I'm, I'm laughing not because I'm laughing at you but because it's a purification practice and that happens. <laughs> it's a not uncommon experience at all. Um, a good friend of mine was doing loving kindness for her mother who's, you know, they're very close, very dear and she went through a period where she was just enraged at her. So even someone where the relationship's fairly good it can bring up all of the other feelings that come along when we're close and... It's not perfect. Um, When that happens, stepping back and noticing it, giving it a little air, and then um, something else that can be handy with that for for me personally is to notice the impact of the so-called negative emotion on my body and on my mind. Often it's not very pleasant. And that can be enough to help your mind let go of it. It's like, oh, that feels really yucky to be doing this. Like, Maybe I'll just do this. <laughs> so that's another way that can work, especially if it's really verbal, because that's a little bit more of a verbal technique you can apply. Thank you, okay. Thank you for your question. Okay. So let's start with a short guided meditation. If you're up for that. Wiggle if you need to wiggle, sit comfortably. Close your eyes. And settling in, it's being here. Noticing the support of the chair or cushion. You and the boundless support of the earth beneath that. Throughout this meditation, if you need to shift to be comfortable, then do. And we've all been doing this for a while. If you find you'd rather tune me out and do your own thing, please do. You know enough to drive on your own now. You might experiment with a hand on your heart if you like, or allowing a smile to come to your lips if that feels natural. Noticing the breath in the body, breathing out any tension, any leftover memories from what it took to get here, just let it go. Replace that thought by calling up a happy memory or really loving or joyous moment with a friend or a partner or another. Imagine yourself content, relaxed, or laughing. what that feels like in your body, allowing any warm, open feelings to grow. Breathing in, sipping, a sense of appreciation. The breathing out. <coughs> Letting go of any images. Offering the out-breath. This goodwill radiating through your body, your cells, your muscles, bones, all parts of you. Offering the out-breath still further Nourishment for the trees and grasses. Allowing it to radiate out of the surface of your skin. Breathing in, absorbing Nourishment, life, vitality through the integrity of your skin. Can you even imagine the breath or your intentions? Like an envelope or a field around you. An offering of your presence, aliveness and goodwill. Allow this sense of offering, this energy, to expand out from you gently. As close or as far as you want it to go or it wants to go. Kindness. Goodwill. Love. Sending it in every direction. Any beings that happen to be in its path helpful you can clarify your intentions repeating just a word or two of phrases that make sense to you happy healthy safe ease joy Settling back now, releasing any intention, any attempt to create anything. Just let be, be. Keeping your eyes closed now, I want you to imagine that you're sitting in a peaceful temple garden in Thailand or if you prefer, around a fire in an ancient Nepali forest. The way the folk entertained each other, taught each other in those days, was all oral, speaking. So much of what they said, or they spoke, was chanting. In this moment, surrounded by friends, Someone offers a teaching on Metta. They recite a chant that's been handed down for hundreds and hundreds of years (coughs) by monks and novices, nuns. Perhaps lay people too. I'm going to chant it. You can sit and listen with your eyes closed. You happen to know it. You can also chant it with me. It's called the Karaniya Metta Sutta.
3: This is what should be done By one who is skilled in goodness And who knows the path of peace Let them be able and upright Straightforward and gentle in speech Humble and not conceited Contented and easily satisfied Unburdened with duties And frugal in their ways Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful Not proud or demanding in nature Let them not do the slightest thing That the wise would later reprove Wishing in gladness and in safety May all beings be at ease Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will Wish harm upon another Even as a mother protects with her life Her child, her only child So with a boundless heart Should one cherish all living beings Radiating kindness over the entire world Spreading upwards to the skies And downwards to the depths Outward and unbounded Freed from hatred and ill will Whether standing or walking Seated or lying down Free from drowsiness One should sustain this recollection This is said to be The sublime abiding by not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from sense desire, is not born again into this mm wow.
1: So the metta-sutta is um, one of the older instructions that exists in the Pali Canon on loving-kindness practice. And as I mentioned, it's been chanted for many, many, many years. There are different ways of looking at this sutta as a teaching. It can be considered to be a description of a state. Others talk about it as an evidence of a certain level of awakening. So a result of practice or understanding. Some people relate to it as as an activity, a practice. And all of those are fine. It can also be related to as a way of being in which an attitude or a general mood, that we can cultivate towards all beings, as the sutta talks about or towards our experience within which our perception of all beings arises So, it's a beautiful aspiration, this sutta you listen to the words, the person that's depicted is quite a wonderful place. I feel it's important to more take the... inspiration for it to be a way of being as much as possible, but not to use it as necessarily a standard to hold ourselves in daily life all the time but as a glimpse of possibility. What I do like about this sutta very much is that it communicates that throughout our day, throughout our life, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, kindness is a possibility. Presence is a form of kindness. Just being there is a form of kindness. day-to-day, moment-to-moment, person-to-person. It can also be a healing modality, kindness. And I mean that actually quite literally. There's a story to shift from the ancient to the quite modern in one of the spring issues of Scientific American Mind. And I have this linked link on your handouts. It's an article on the placebo effect of all things. But the researchers who are studying the placebo effect found some interesting extra bits of knowledge when they did one of the studies. They were studying irritable, irritable bowel syndrome and there were four options of treatment. Acupuncture placebo, acupuncture with a very kind solicitous doctor, and a placebo with a very kind solicitous doctor. The two groups with the kind solicitous doctor healed much faster than those in their category. So this was remarkably true in the placebo trial because that was the only treatment they were getting in my opinion is far from a placebo effect then it's something quite different it actually gets more interesting though in that same set of paragraphs the crafty researchers ran another study on the doctors who were unaware that who they thought were patients were actually research confederates (coughs) And um, the doctors were instructed in one trial that they were allowed to express empathy. They weren't required, but they were allowed to. And in the other trial, they weren't allowed to do or say anything, you know, stone-faced. And the doctors were then hooked up to fMRI machines so you could see their brain activity. The act of expressing kindness made the doctor feel better, too. Which has profound implications for this practice. Doesn't it? It means no matter who we're aiming it towards we're getting it and we receive it, that works well we give it, that works well too how can you lose, right? (laughs) Um, So that's one-to-one transmission, if you will loving kindness as a, a choice your own personal modality or healing, or helping, if you choose to use it that way. There's also the larger effects of loving-kindness throughout the web, the flow of our lives. This is from Spirit Rock's Spring News and Schedule of Events. It's a um, reflection by a Buddhist nun named Aya Anandabodhi who is based at a place called Aloka Vihara in San Francisco, but she recently also joined the Spirit Rock Teachers' Council. And um, she's from the Thai forest tradition, which historically has a big connection to nature. And she talks about how some indigenous cultures don't see themselves as individuals, they see themselves as part of a larger stream, a stream of decisions, interactions, people from their parents, their grandparents, all the way back to their extended ancestors and that that stream continues forward to children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews and everyone that individual is in contact with So the sense of individuality is quite different there is this acknowledgement of this impact, this interconnected web that we're part of, that we can't help but change by being part of This notion of interdependence is quite old Um, Most of us are aware of it from environmental perspectives, the biosphere and that's actually what she talks about in here I've also got a link to that article on the handout Also by our supply chains, our global economics the power of our decisions politically, economically So I mention this because there's many ways to express kindness directly and indirectly Sometimes it might be by the way we interact with a stranger on the street Sometimes it might be by what we choose to buy or not to buy or where we choose to buy or not to buy when anything in between, right? There's always beings downstream that are being affected One of the most powerful moves in this practice can be someone mentioned before, non-harming to commit to non-harming as much as possible And that can feel a little overwhelming. (coughs) It doesn't have to. One of the things that helps me in this practice with that in particular is to pick a single thread at a time rather than trying to imagine what it's like to walk through life non-harming. Which is actually technically impossible by living. Someone's always getting the short end of the stick. (laughs) But um, if you pick a single thread, like, you know, for a month or two I chose diet. For years on end I've chosen interacting with strangers as a practice. Anything works. But just that one thread can teach us so much about unspecific meta and meta in general. Another thread is, as um, I would mentioned in response to a question Lynn asked last week actually, is to fall in love with the wish of metta itself. To appreciate the intention in yourself. And that's a really powerful move too. Is it lifts the process off of any particular recipient and starts to just allow it to feed on itself. Love is an action, kindness is a choice. It can be that simple as a practice. This metta for all beings, or unspecific metta, is also greatly supported by another one of the four Brahma-viharas, equanimity. So Gill often uses the fist in his talks I don't know if you noticed, he'll use the... the, the he'll quench his fist It's impossible to give someone something by hanging onto it The most important part of metta practice is this part the open hand non-expectation You can't sow seeds with a closed hand So that letting go It also helps let go of an expectation of a response which is extremely important when you might not even know who the recipients of your practice are. So... it's a beautiful way to cultivate the mind and body. Just let go. Kindness as an act that's beneficial to us in its own right without worrying about where it lands or how it lands the last way that I find um, helpful in cultivating metta is to um, consider it as an ethical choice so it doesn't always have to feel warm it doesn't always have to have an emotional valence to it it can be a decision, a deeply held intention to cultivate our lives, our minds in a way that orients us to the benefit of others, mutual benefit for ourselves and others sometimes as many as all others, or many others, and sometimes one-on-one that paradigm of ethical choice can be a really powerful way to walk through life, because it gives a compass point that's independent of whatever emotions are in play. And many of you have talked about how in this practice, emotions come into play. (laughs) So it's actually considered, each of the Brahma Viharas are considered important parts of Buddhist ethics. This idea of cultivating emotion or cultivating a state or a predilection is not a neutral act. In Buddhism. It's actually considered to be a very beautiful and ethically strong act. So those are a few thoughts that I have on unspecific metta, which is metta without recipient, and also on metta for all beings, which is the last category of the many categories that we've had over the last five weeks. I'd like to turn it over to you folks for a few minutes. I want you to consider what are some of the ways you think would be most useful for you to carry this practice or perspective forward in your life. If there's one thread or two threads that might be useful to focus on. So please find a couple of other people if you're comfortable. It's always okay to opt out of this discussion period. If you don't find someone, start walking up towards me and I will set you up. And I'll ring the bell in about ten minutes. So give each other time to talk. Three, please. If you can. If you can't find anyone, two is fine. Maybe just for a minute or two, it would be nice to hear from a couple of people what you came up with, if you're willing to share that. Anybody? Oh. Right. Hiding up front. <laughs> Hiding
2: up front. <laughs> um, I just wanted to give an update on something that think is really profound. I'm the one who told that ridiculous baby doll story. Um, But I just wanted to say this practice and that whole experience um, has really made me focus on my self-compassion. And I would say since joining this class and that whole doll episode, my self-criticizing has gone down at least 50-75% to since then. And it's really profound. Like, I used to wake up every morning self-criticizing and... So I just wanted to (laughs) say, keep trying. (laughs) (laughs) I think it works.
1: I'm so happy to hear that. It sounds like you've also found the thread you want to focus on for a while. Anybody else? Stuff that came up in the dyads or triads groups? Is my mic on? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Okay.
0: Um, Can you get back? Hi, I liked really liked what someone in my little group um said that um expressing loving kindness when it's maybe directly to a person, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn out, um real wordy time. It could just be maybe just a hello and um if you sit down and the and the person says hello back. And I love what the person in my group said. It it sets the tone mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be a long conversation. You can say it very simply and the tone or the atmosphere is set and I think both people feel it even though not a lot of words were expressed. So I hope, I hope that made sense. I just really like that.
1: Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you. One more in the back over here. Um, we sort of had a theme in, in our group that I'd like to ask a question about. Um... We were, we were all tending to be drawn to be more kind to somebody who was really a relative. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there was a sense that we were berating ourselves for not being kind enough to our <coughs> near ones and dear ones. And it was just easy for us, easier for us to gravitate to that rather than to think about, um, you know, I'm just going to be kind to strangers... Um, I'd be interested to know what you say about that. It seems that it's maybe two different practices. One is what we've been doing, which is the families and so on, those people who we know. And the other is just a more generalized. Um, I think it depends on what the motivation is. And that would be how I break out the practice. Um, Personally, I find generating loving kindness towards family can be more difficult for many people. Because it it's, you know, there's mixed feelings almost always. You just you don't grow up with someone for 20 years or cohabitate with them for 17 without multiple feelings. From my perspective, the practice is the same fundamental impulse, though, which is that impulse towards goodwill, towards non-harming. And one of the important things you touched on is... Um, The intention behind it is important. If you can avoid doing it because you feel like you have to or you should, it's probably going to be more helpful for your heart. Doing this practice out of a sense of obligation can create an internal rub that's not so nice. And it sometimes comes out in ways um, as gunk in the practice. So, um, to check your intention, because underneath the obligation there might be something more beautiful there, actually. So to really allow yourself that inquiry. That's kind of all I have to say about it. I hope that helps. Great. So we are going to move on. Um, You may have noticed the rather long questionnaire on the side of the stage, when you came in. Um, It is, as I mentioned, completely optional. The front is identical, except in a couple of details, to one of a number of research instruments that a colleague of mine and I used in a scientific study on loving-kindness that's actually just finishing up in about a week. And if you chose to do the front, it would be helpful to benchmark you guys against a cohort of complete novice meditators in a secular setting. That's something you can do if you want to. The back side is more reflection. It's not a test, unless it's a test of me, (laughs) but it's more for your reflection. And I just want to encourage you for the next 15 minutes or so to sit with those questions and if you want to answer them I'd love to see the answers if you would rather just sit with them and consider them that's fine too Um, you can pick one or two and meditate on it or you can pick them all and fill them out or do some combination just encourage you to use this as a practice not just as a piece of paper and another piece of busy work, to really consider what it brings up in your heart and mind while you're doing it. Thanks. Settle yourself in and make yourself comfortable. It's okay to move if that's helpful during the meditation. And letting go of all the words, the written ones, the spoken ones, the heard, Just settling in. Perhaps remember or evoke a sense of a person or a being who's easy for you, brings joy, has brought benefit. A being that inspires you in some way, picture them, or imagine them nearby, and tap into your appreciation for them, any warmth, caring, Gratitude, love. Notice those feelings in your heart and your body. Allowing any warm feelings to grow. And allowing your awareness to expand through your whole body from your face to your feet. Notice and acknowledge the range of feelings that are there. Giving preference, though, to noticing lightness, tenderness, joyfulness or warmth. See if like your breath Those feelings can expand, perhaps even riding on the breath throughout the whole body, heart center, belly, everywhere. Perhaps you might allow an intention for loving-kindness to emerge from the movement of the breath itself through the deepest places of you, your core. Letting breath and intention together or separately move through your being like a bellows radiating blowing through every organ, every muscle, every cell of your body out through your nose, or mouth, or heart, or even skin. Allow the rhythm, the intention of kindness to grow. And lift off of that being. Let it live inside of you. Imagine it like the clarion call of a trumpet or the gentleness of a summer breeze. Moving through the body, mind, and heart. And then when you're ready, aiming that love, that kindness, that warmth, straight out in front of you. Allowing it the sound of a bugle, the power of wind, suffusing everything in its path. gathering it back in allowing it to blow, to move, suffuse out through your back behind you you like, you can clarify it with phrases or words, you know them by now, but you don't have to, only if it helps. Happy, well, safe, ease, joy. Letting the rhythm grow, the rhythm of kindness. Now shifting directions again. and in kindness to your left, allowing it to pervade, resonate, blow through and around everything in its path. move through the mind and heart Shifting now to the other side, the bellows of your kindness, radiating. Now letting that area of loving kindness expand to all around you, above and below, all sides. Filling every part of your being, allowing it to fill the room As far as you want it to go, nothing left out, you're floating in a huge bubble of love and kindness and warmth. Allow it to expand out to and through all beings, near and far, known and unknown, seen and unseen, here and far. go and bask, relax, soften into the moment, receiving your whole experience. And as we close this meditation perhaps reflect we resonate with one another's sorrows, difficulties and joy because we are interconnected by this wish All beings want to be happy avoid suffering Be at ease and content. By opening our hearts, we transform ourselves and every life we touch in some immeasurable way. Appreciate your generosity in cultivating an open heart. So I'd like to close the class by appreciating each of you Many of you have been here every single week and it's no small commitment to make in the middle of a busy Bay Area summer to do that um, It's been a joy to teach you this Really. I also wanted to mention that for those of you who are interested in continuing this kind related practices to this, there are um, two other offerings at IMC coming up this fall. One is a day long on the 4 Brahmaviharas, the four immeasurables, taught by Ajahn Jeff Tanisaro Bhikkhu. I believe that's the first weekend in October. But you should check the schedule. The other one's coming up sooner. It's a nine week course in compassion cultivation. A very close sister practice to this practice. It is being offered, I believe, starting next week, possibly the week after, on Monday mornings. It's waitlisted. It's waitlisted. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay. Put yourselves on the wait list. <laughs> There are other courses on compassion cultivation happening in Palo Alto as well, so you can check with that. Um, There's two more one this fall and one in January, offered at Stanford. So there's those offerings. Yes? Does Stanford charge for their classes? Yes if you look around you may be able to find more reasonable ones, the ones at Stanford are being taught by senior teachers and there's a whole crop of new teachers that are out earning their spurs right now so it's worth googling and checking just to see Um, those of you who are interested um, can do the one minute reflection on benevolence if you remember it and sing along with me. If you're not interested you can listen to those of us who do
3: sing it. May I abide in well-being In freedom from affliction In freedom from ill will lose custody In freedom from ill will In freedom from anxiety And may I maintain Well-being in myself May everyone abide in well-being In freedom from hostility In freedom from ill will In freedom from anxiety And may they maintain Well-being in themselves Thank you. Have a wonderful night.